Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are live. Hello, everybody. Brian Davis here. It's Longhorn Confidential Time. Here with the fellas, Kirk, said and Danny. Whew, we've got some stuff to talk about here. Mama got some explaining to do here. Texas, uh, 70 to 45. It doesn't, who cares what the score was? They lost to Kansas. That's all you need to know. Four and six uh, after, the, after the overtime heartbreaker at Royal Memorial Stadium over the weekend. Um, it was Kansas. And Kirk hit on that really hard. And his column, you should go find that on hook'em.com. Said also had some great stuff. Danny, all the boys did a great job while I was off in Spokane covering another a tough loss for Texas, but still four and six right now, two games left. And, and guys, the tone today wasn't so much about Kansas. It was more about looking for the future. Uh, Cause that's, let's be honest. That's what fans are doing now. You know, 2021 is over with they're on to 22 and what should happen from here. Um, Daniel, Daniel, let's start with you. Uh, let's start with the news of the day. B. John Robinson being out. What is that going to mean for, uh, some of these other guys going forward in the last two games and Bijan in 2022. Um, it may be, mean four and eight. Um, that's how special of a talent um, Bijan has been this season. Um, I think at this point, we kind of all know what Roshan is, you know, a good sturdy back who's going to be able to give them, you know, 10, 15 carries if he's healthy enough to do so. But, you know, this injury, as bad as it is for this offense, it does at least give them some opportunities to, and give Keelan Robinson a look, assuming he's out of the COVID protocol. Give Jonathan Brooks a look, assuming that he is off their injury report with a shoulder injury. So, I mean, maybe over the next two games, some of the other guys can get some run. Um, we can kind of see what they can do, see if this coaching staff needs to really hit the portal and uh, or hit the recruiting trails and find a, find a running back. But, um, you know, assuming Bijan can get healthy, and um, you know, you'd, you'd assume that he's going to be, you know, a really good geared up for a really good junior year with some stuff to prove um, after a, I guess, unceremonious end to his running back. I think all of us would agree. Um, we're not supposed to root for players, but I think all of us enjoy um, number five and get in talk with him and, you know, just a really upstanding young man. And so that, that's, that sucks that his uh, season ended this way, but, you know, there's a little bit of a silver lining to Texas, but we'll just have to see what happens with him next year. And just, and just for clarity, because Robinson with an elbow, Injury. Josh Thompson also out out for the rest of the season. Uh, but in the positive news department, uh, where am I drawing a blank? Jordan Whittington. Jordan Whittington. Well, I could possibly be back. Uh, so quick hard to figure out what the positives are. Jordan Whittington could possibly be back. Reach into that. Reach into that haystack and find that needle. That's right. He's, said, a, he's on basketball now. We'll forget it. Said, uh, what what did you what you make of Steve today? Because I, I thought what you just said a minute ago before we started this video is interesting. Uh, Sark's run out of words. Yeah, tell us, tell me more about that. Well, you know, and, and I'm writing this. And ever been in a relationship where you know it was going great, and then all of a sudden, and Kirk, you've been married for 40 years. After a while, you run out of conversations, and you got to figure out something else. Because uh, when she goes. Remember that time when uh, when I did this? Yeah, I remember that time. You've said that you've told that story a hundred times. So 
as the media covering this team, and we've only been with Sark for one season, but we've heard it all. After every loss, we've heard the same thing. And so after a while, you kind of want to move on to something else, like maybe a win would be great. That would change a narrative. And, and so whatever he's saying to us doesn't resonate as much because we've been hearing the same thing for the last five weeks. Uh, but when I think about that, imagine if you're in that locker room and you've been hearing the same thing in practices and after games, before games, at the breakfast table, and you're still losing. It's got to be tough to try and figure out how to make things work and how to get wins when words haven't gotten it done up to now, Duck. I don't know why you guys are so negative. There's so many positives. I mean, you know, Jordan Whittington coming back. Marcus Washington had the game of his life, you know, scored what could have been the winning touchdown in overtime had they had they held him. And they came back from 21-point deficit, not once, but twice. Oh, my God, there's so many silver linings in there. But, Get him, uh, Manny. Get him. Get I, him. I, th- I, th- I think you work – do you not work for Horns Illustrated? I'm not, I'm not sure on that. You know, so <laughs> okay. Like. Wow. Okay, there are a few dark clouds. There are a few dark clouds. So, okay, yeah, it was probably the worst loss we've ever seen at DKR Memorial Stadium. So, this is, this is going to leave a mark. It's going to be it's, – it's undeniable. And – well, how long does over. it take? How long does it take to scab over? Well, uh, you know, Casey Thompson's got a 24-hour rule, and I'm hoping Longhorn Nation fans have a 24-year rule that after 24 years they will forget this loss. And unfortunately, maybe there'll be other bad losses too. But uh, I've got a 12. I've got a 12-year rule. 12 yes, you do. 12, trying to 12. get back to a national it, it was ugly, game. BD. We're sorry you missed it. I, I know you're glad you missed it, but uh, it was an epic failure. What else can we say? Lose to a team, one and eight. Hadn't won a conference game on the road in 13 years. Uh, what was the FBS record said you put in your column? Six and 67. Six yeah. and 67. Kansas was 0 and 100 in games where they were the underdog of 24 points or more, and Texas was a 30, 31-point favorite. So it was a 56 straight Big 12 road losses. See, see, okay, see, that's the thing about it. You you say that you feel feel good for me, that good that I was in Spokane, but no, I want to be here and watch this, watch this forest fire raging in front of my eyes. I, I am very proud of the fact that I was there in Lawrence in 2016, as I, as I know said is, and Danny, as well, right? That, that that's a moment you. Oh, Danny wasn't there. Was that was that an Atulo game? I'm just saying I wasn't proud to be there. Oh, that is a moment. That is a moment. That is a moment you will never forget. You, you will never uh, forget. And that's what that's what Saturday was as well. You know who you know who forgot about that 2016 game? Charles yeah. or many of you many members of the 2016 team who are being awfully chippy on Twitter over the weekend and talking a lot of smack about losing to Kansas. With I recall them being on the field throwing temper tantrums and getting beat by the same Kansas team uh, you know, five years ago. Those guys are awfully chipper on Twitter. Charles Omenihu was very, very critical yes. of this team this weekend. And I'm like, Charles, you were in Lawrence that night, and you were part of that team, and mm-hmm. you were ready to commit murder after that game. I saw the look. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it's like he has amnesia. He forgot that he was on that team. And someone remind, someone goes, oh, Charles, I think you need to sit this one out. Which was good advice. That was I good like advice. Charles, friend of the podcast, but that was good advice. 
Yeah, Kirk. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know if, if I was missing things or not, but yeah, no, I, I would have definitely wanted to be there because uh, you couldn't watch the second half uh, where we were uh, in the kennel. Um, but, I, but it, it looked terrible on stat broadcast, the little, st- the little statistics thing that we watch, but um, you know, do you, do you guys even, do you even care what happened against Kansas or, or and do you care what happens in these next two games? Of course. Because, because here's, here's why I say the answer is yes. It's like the first year of Charlie. There's it's a long off season when you say you're a winning program or you're a losing program. And if Texas can win two games, get to a bowl, they won't. They won't. I'm say, well, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying if they could get to a bowl, there's a big, big bump from saying we were a winning program versus a losing program. It is. It is a big bump, but I just wish they'd quit saying we got to play to a standard. They are playing to a standard, okay? One double-digit win season since 09, you know, not 19, 09. One 10-win season, they lost four that year. So, yeah, every game matters. It just means more, right, Uh, to quote one uh, conference slogan. yeah, it's, every game is meaningful. Now the fans have written it off. You know, I think we kind of wrote it off after the loss in Waco when it looked like, okay, they're not in the conference race. But I don't think we had any uh, concept of them not even qualifying for a bowl game. But again, this is an epic failure. And we talked a lot about the big picture with Sark today and how, you know, whether he would make staff changes. And, Brian, you're writing about it for tomorrow and – it sounds like he may just dig his heels in and not make any staff changes, which are going to make the fans howl because Pete Kwiatkowski, who we don't, he may be a ghost. We've seen him one time in the 11 months he's been here. So, uh, but there's a, he said he wasn't told he has to make staff changes by the administration. And he truly, he went on and on about how great this staff is. And he did say, you know, they didn't forget how to coach overnight. I guess they forgot over a month or two, you know, but not overnight. So, but I really think he may stand pat on his coaching staff. Said, what do you think? No way. He didn't sound the like optics, that. The optics how do you sound are to you? bad. I'm telling you, you can't. we're coming right back with the same cast of characters. No, someone's going to have to fall on that sword, be it Jeff Banks or Coleman. Somebody's got to go. But did he sound Someone's like that to you? Someone's got to go. And, and, and um, you're not good enough to say that this, this is the right crew. You have donors that you got to deal with, and people want answers. And the answers that we've gotten haven't added up to them breaking a five-game losing streak. So what in your heart of hearts makes you think that he can walk into to the president's office or CDC's office and go, yeah, we're going to stay pat. This is the right crew. One of the worst defenses ever. Vance Bedford didn't survive it. Why should PK or why should Andre Coleman? Uh, why should Jeff Banks, who's brought some undue attention to this program? People was, have to. People. People are going to be made there, to pay. There's there plenty of reasons. Not, to make coaching change. staff will not be the same next year. No way. I agree. I agree that there'll probably be a couple changes, but I don't believe it's going to be coordinators. And I think, honestly, I think it'd be a mistake for PK to be fired. And I believe it'd be a mistake for, although Sark is the offensive play caller, for there to be a 
you know, change there too. At some point, you can't have four different coordinators in four different seasons. I mean, at some point, there needs to be some sort of continuity. And it's not like, going back to what Sark was saying earlier, you know, PK's defenses at Washington weren't bad. You know, there's a reason he got this job. And so maybe it is the talent level. Maybe it's the, there is a slip up in coaching, but maybe it just needs, you need more than one season before you fire a coach and bring in a completely new defense and a completely new defensive scheme. Like I, I just, I, I don't buy into always just firing coordinators and firing coaches when something goes wrong. And yeah, this season, a lot has gone wrong. And I disagree with the sense that, you know, winning these last couple of games matters because who cares if Texas wins these next two and wins some Liberty Bowl or whoever wants to take them and they finish seven and six, they still lost to Kansas. You know, I, I, I'm not going to listen to a winning program that lost to Kansas, you know, at some point, you know, that, that Kansas win, I think, I think kind of highlights this whole season. So yeah, a lot of things have gone wrong, but I don't think firing the whole coaching staff is going to be the be all magical cure. At some point, these coaches need a little bit of time to install their system with their players. And it's just going to take time. And unfortunately, this is an impatient place. We're impatient. Fans are impatient. The players and coaches are impatient, but some things take time. And this is also, this is also a place for Mac Brown fired Manny Diaz. What after the second game of the season, when they lost at BYU, and this is a place where Charlie Strong fired uh, Sean Watson as offensive coordinator after the Notre Dame. And that was what second or third week of the season. So it was week two. Yeah, there's there's precedent for you know knee jerk reactions, and I, I'm just saying I agree with you. I think s- s- there will be some staff changes, but uh, Sark seemed very adamant and stubborn that you know he would like to s- stand pat. Brian and uh, and and I'll ask you this, Doug. There's no reason for him to tell us today. Sure, we understand that. Not, not with two games left. So sure. he's, he's even he knows if there's going to be changes already. He knows, but he's not going to tell us. But he didn't act like it is all I'm saying. His tone, his tenor was like, no, this is I have one of the greatest staffs in America. He, you know, he was borderline defiant as far as backing that staff. And, yeah, you can say, well, he needs to be. But, well, if it's the greatest staff in America, then don't change if that's what you really feel. Well, no, if, it's, staff, if it's the greatest staff in America, you need professional help because it's not. It's not. You can say that, yeah. but it's not. Look at the, the greatest staff in America doesn't lose to Kansas. Four and six don't lie. The, the greatest staff in America doesn't blow four double-digit leads. Oh, so half. negative. No. So negative. I'm so real. You. So freaking real. How about that Vic Schaefer? That's all we got is real. Yeah, how about that Vic Schaefer? Exactly. Big win at, big win at Stanford. Uh, no, I also thought today it was very – I thought it was very revealing a little bit. Uh, Keandre Coburn and uh, Casey Thompson both – sort of they didn't really hide the fact that there are people that they probably know in their head who are not bought in probably need to go um and, and even casey was the one who who put numbers on it you know the elite top 10 percent, and then the bottom 10 percent, and probably the majority of the team is in that middle 80 but the fact that they acknowledge that there is a lower tier group of people who need to move on i think that's very telling you know, of course, of course, there's 115 people in the room. So obviously not everybody's going to be 100 percent bought in to what Sarkeesian and staff are doing. People who aren't playing, people who think I should be playing ahead of this guy. Um, why is that guy playing and, and not this person? So there's a lot of reasons why. But um, I just think I just think we're going to see uh, some solid turnover this offseason. 
And if you're a Texas fan, you just have to hope it's for the better. Yeah, I'm writing about that for tomorrow, about the roster turnover, and I asked Sark about that, and he said, yeah, they'll have 33 new players, you know, next year. And I thought, holy God, he's already announced an A-transfer portal uh, arrivals. But uh, basically he was talking about the spots that they would have available beyond the 25 scholarship for those who went into the transfer portal, they can get those back. So, and 33 new players, he didn't, he pulled that number, right. He was very specific about it. So, you know, if you figure 42 is half your roster, you know, 33 is almost, you know, 40% of your roster. So that's pretty massive turnover. If we see as expected a bunch more go into the transfer portal on the outgo. Anything else you guys want to hit? We wrap this one up today. At West Virginia game, it's a hostile place. It's not like Baylor or Iowa State, but it's a hostile place. So, well, you guys player. have fun in the mountains. I'll not be mama. here. I'll be here praying um, for a safe ter- return home. Um, shout out to Charles Davis, who just turned one. That's some good news this week, and um, that's positive. He had his own cake. And uh, he I, is a I friend. Had a great weekend. My, and my he's a friend awesome. of Longhorn <laughs> Confidential. So shout out to Chug Davis. He says, that's thank it. you. That's it for me. That's it. There you go. We're good. There you go. All right. Well, that's good. We're going to wrap it up uh, for Kirk, Seth, and Danny. I'm Brian. Remember, see all this on hook'em.com and statesman.com. We will be back on Thursday to preview an epic tilt. I have no doubt it will be between Texas and West Virginia. We're going to go see Mountain Mama. In West Virginia, <laughs> said said it's not going, so he can't rag on him from the safety of Austin. Can't be doing that. Can't be doing that. We we will be there. We'll be back on Thursday. We'll talk to you then.